Hello and welcome along to World Cup Nuggets Daily, our regular podcast of poking and prodding each of the 32 finals taking part in Qatar. Joining me as ever is Adam Bushby. You all right, Ad? Yes, very good, mate. Very good. You? Yeah, fine. Thank you very much. Uh, joining us as ever is the author of World Cup Nuggets, your World Cup Bible full of the weirdest and most wonderfulest facts about the tournament, Richard Foster. How are you, Richard? Very good. Glad I've been responsible for writing a Bible. Yeah, not many, not, many, not many can say that. Yeah, that's true. Um, if you need reminding, which you don't, you can buy World Cup nuggets from our website, housingandpublishing.co.uk. You might want to get some I don't know, to impress your friends in the pub or to brandish at your family when you disagree about Japan's disciplinary record over a mince pie. Uh, today's nuggets covers the hosts and we will focus only on the football. So it's mm-hmm. over to you for some nuggets. Richard. probably aware Qatar don't have a huge football heritage so they basically had to build pretty much every stadium there is something called the 974 stadium which sounds a bit dull doesn't it but there is an interesting nugget to this it's called the 974 stadium because it's made up of 974 shipping containers and 974 happens to be the international dialing code for Qatar so you don't get many stadiums called after international dialing codes or indeed made up of shipping containers. So this is literally a world first. I think the other thing as we're talking about stadia is that, as I say, nearly all of them had to be built from scratch. It was a yeah. huge, huge, I mean, eye-watering amount of money spent um, building the stadia, building the infrastructure, building everything from nothing. But I think the fact that all stadia are within about 30 mile radius of each other. So it's not as though you're traveling from, you know, one side of Russia to the other or one side of the US to the other as they did in, you know, thousands of miles. Get on the tram. Get on, you see, Ronaldo <laughs> and Messi would be on a tram, you know. They've got their little uh, bus paths. They'll get on there. And then <laughs> it goes straight to the last chance saloon, which will be over in the corner in Doha. So um, uh, I, I think it's going to work really well. Uh, if we're ever going to take a positive about this World Cup being in Qatar, which is quite difficult, the fact is that when there's not going to be a huge carbon footprint out of this, is there? Because people don't have to travel here, there and everywhere. Also. A lot of these stadia are going to be deconstructed because they don't need, you know, eight football stadiums in Doha. They've only got one team and they're not very big. So the 974 one is going to be completely dismantled and taken somewhere else. And a lot of the stadia are going to be half dismantled and turned into something else. So they're claiming that this the recycling is very much part of a green World Cup. So... There's a smidgen of a of a reason why it should be in Qatar. It's only a smidgen, and we're not going to go any further. But should we concentrate on the football? Let's do it. Yeah, I think that's been told a, a nugget, a nugget of a nugget of something. Yeah, approximating something good. Let's talk there's about no football. domestic flights in Qatar. Yeah. So it's we demean them possibly because actually. 
as a team, they did win the Asian Cup back in 2019. So you might say oh, the Asian Cup, but the Asian Cup isn't, you know, a tiddlywinks competition. It is a reasonable competition. They beat Japan 3-1 in the final. They beat Korea in the semi-final. So uh, they are, you know, a side who, who could produce shock. I don't think they're going to produce too many. They could produce <laughs> shock. They had a guy in that um, Asian Cup called Almoth's Ali. He scored nine times at the Asian Cup. And if you care to look at the final on your YouTube, you will see him score a particularly spectacular overhead kick in the final. Um, so he's a guy to look out for. Uh, mm. I also, on footballing pedigree, you actually look at the manager. There's a guy called Felix Sanchez, who grew up on the uh, green banks of La Masaya, the Barcelona Academy, famous across the world for producing some of the best players. He moved to Qatar in 2006, and they, again, threw a lot of money at this Aspire Academy because they wanted to build a football team basically from nothing, and they threw a huge amount of money at the infrastructure, and they got a lot of players in, maybe who aren't necessarily Qataris, but they basically have been spending a lot of time, a lot of effort actually trying to build a team. Um, and Sanchez then became the under-18s manager after being the Aspire Academy guy and then the under-23s. And then he progressed to the senior team in 2017. So he has been involved in Qatari football for a long time. And he apparently has, some people have been telling me that he has to have an influence. And he's, there is an element of Barcelona-esque football about them. Whether we can see this on the pitch in a couple of weeks' time, I'm, I'm not saying anything. Also, it makes him one of the longest-serving managers at the World Cup. And the final point I'll make is that this team have actually been together since June. They, yeah. they literally have been in a, a camp together. So they've had five months of working out what they're going to do at free kicks or what they're going to do at corners. <laughs> They should be quite good at it by now. That's and pretty huge. Pretty it is, huge. It, it's immense because you think yes. of all European teams. They have one week. <laughs> yeah. You know, and some of them will be knackered. Some of them are injured, clearly. Yeah. There is there is a great advantage. And, you know, he has developed, Sanchez has developed this team ethic. You know, we are in it as a team. We've got to try and do it. So mm-hmm. maybe we're in for a surprise, guys. Maybe I... Maybe they'll get further than we think. I have been going around very confidently proclaiming they're a pub team for quite a long time. Um, But to to try and back that up, I was just looking at their results from, when you say June onwards. So they drew, so they've been on this kind of random, very random collection of games that they've played. Um, So they drew with Lazio, obviously. Lazio, okay. Uh, In July, they lost, they drew with Morocco A. 2-all with 10-man Morocco A, 2-all in August. Uh, They beat Ghana A. They drew with Jamaica. Uh, They lost 3-0 to Croatia under 23s in September. Uh, They also lost 2-0 to Canada in September. And they drew 2-all with Chile in September. And they're their last, last, uh, I wouldn't, I don't know if you'd call them competitive matches, but they're they're the friendlies that they've been playing Mm. as part of this camp. So uh, one, one win against Ghana A. Uh, and a couple of commendable draws, I suppose, mm. um, okay. about what we have to go on in terms of form. So I don't, 
see many reasons to revise my opinion. I mean, certainly not. Pub team is perhaps a bit harsh and and inappropriate for... You can be harsh. Staff, you can but, be harsh. Yeah, but, you know. Well, they might be a very good pub team. I mean, I've played in... I've played in the pub team. has been all right. <laughs> yeah. The only thing missing is probably like to be the pub. Um, <laughs> yeah. There, there <laughs> is like, that. There is that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so they're grouped then, Ecuador, Senegal, and the Dutch. Uh, yeah, it's sort of the Dutch and... <laughs> Probably one of the other two, is it not? Yeah. Mm. yeah. They're sort of going up the scale, aren't they? I would say Ecuador probably the weakest of the other three. Then Senegal, middle, and then obviously Netherlands, we can assume, are going to be pretty much there. Again, as Adam points out very astutely, maybe the Netherlands will have qualified. They'll mm. just go, oh, well, the host will let them in. Yeah. We, we do have to bear in mind that this group goes against England's group. So we have, you know, of course, yeah. a vested interest if England make it. I know Rob's shaking his head going, <laughs> Rob does have a vested interest, but it's for the... I'm shaking my head saying, saying when England make it, you mean... Oh, it. Rob, come on, stop it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, easy headline. <laughs> it's easy. Yeah. Uh, the English ain't going to qualify, come on. They, they, I'm on rods. I, I just anyway. think I'm Scott. I just think <laughs> people, be Welsh. Have writ, people have written them off, and I know why they've written them off because they're not on the world map in terms of football. But there are signs that they could do something, uh, and you know, shoot me now. But I, I have a sneaking suspicion they'll get quite close to getting out of this group. Not necessarily getting out of the group, but closer than a lot of people think. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I think yeah. it's also fair to say that me and Rob will be wearing Ecuador shirts for that first <laughs> game. Yes, I you, think you look you look fabulous in yellow, red, and blue. Absolutely, we're already discussing the nice vibrant colours of a World Cup. So that's right. Yeah, why would I not wear the yellow of Ecuador? And, and the Qatari strip's quite nice. It's actually the, their nickname is the Crimsons, and they wear a sort of heart of Midlothian type strip. If I could use a Scottish analogy. So they're named after a 90s band, Crimson. It must have been a band called the Crimson, <laughs> surely. There's a film, Crimson Time. King Crimson were a progressive rock band in 1970. Yeah. Not very good, but if you like your progressive rock, I suppose you might like it. I'm not sure if King Crimson are that big in Doha, though. Don't, don't think they're on their world <laughs> No. They're playing it. It's the, they do play it in the last chance saloon. I have that on good authority. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the, but that's the kicking out song. Everyone goes, oh, God, I've got to go now. <laughs> King Crimson will come on. Uh, yeah. Right. Well, I'm glad we've digressed somewhat from talking about it. There you go. Um, <laughs> let's, let's close this one out then. Uh, probably not much else to say, uh, but we will have our question on Qatar then, Richard, please. Indeed. So if they do stumble at the first hurdle, like most people expect them to, they would be only the second host to not qualify from their group. So who is the only host to fail to get into the next round before Qatar? So if they do stumble at the first hurdle, they would only be the second host to not qualify from their initial group. Who is the only host to fail to get into the next round up to this point? 
All right. Thank you very much. Uh, as ever, uh, that is one of our daily quiz questions. Uh, we're doing 32 in all, obviously. Um, once the run is complete, uh, you can submit your answers to us. The winner, i.e. the person with the most correct answers, will win a suite of Halcyon books, of which there are many, and they are all excellent. Uh, right, that'll do then. Thank you, Richard, and thank you, Ad, and thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with another World Cup night.